Support for WIPR's podcasts comes from Brightview Senior Living. Since 1999, Brightview has proudly served Greater Baltimore with vibrant, independent living, assisted living, memory care, and enhanced care. Find a community near you at brightviewseniorliving.com. We're further up on the beach, and Natasha's lying there, and some other guy had shown up, and he's tying a tourniquet on her foot. And, you know, Yana's there holding her, and Natasha's doing this deep breathing and looking really scared. Everybody's freaking out, and we can see these guys are doing CPR on Sergei further down the beach, but it doesn't look good at all, like he's not moving at all. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Soup Storytelling Series podcast. I am Laura Wexler. And I'm Jessica Hankins. And this week, we are kicking off a little series we're calling Return to the Soup, in which we're going to revisit some unforgettable stories from our nearly 15-year history and chat with the storyteller about all things related to the tale and their lives since and all that good stuff. But before we get started, we want to thank Park School, which is an independent K-12 co-ed school here in Baltimore. They've been a great sponsor of the Soup podcast. So our um, first story that we wanted to revisit is really, it's my favorite story, I think, of um, all of our stories. Or it's up there. Uh, it's hard to, to name. But it's, it's the first one I think of when I think of, like, an example of a wonderful story. Um, and it's told by someone that I've had the grace and pleasure to know since I was, what, 16, 15? So his name is Josh Granger, and he's going to start t- <laughs> talking. And he's now. here. We're, we're, gonna, he's we're right not going to pretend he's not in the room. <laughs> he's, he's listening. And he told this story uh, in 2006 at our Scary Stories show at Creative Alliance. So Josh, how long have we known each other? Uh, yeah, that's a great question. I'm going to, it's probably 15, 16, I think 16, maybe. Yeah. Something, yeah. Something like that. A long Josh, time. Josh, Josh and I uh, know each other from Annapolis. Um, neither of us now live in Annapolis, but, um, and you know what, Josh, I'm going to say that you were the first man, boy, boy, cause you were a boy at the time who like, uh, what <laughs> was, uh, was like really kind to me. Like you were a, just like a solid, wonderful, and still to this day, continue to be a solid, wonderful, like you were always so smart and funny and also kind. Because I think you can be smart and funny and also pretty mean. And if I remember that- At the, 15, at 15 yeah. or 16, yeah. Totally, because yeah. it's not safe yeah. to be nice. No, yeah. yeah, but you were just like, and I don't mean that in the nice guy way. I mean in like everyone respected you way, like- uh, anyway, well, that's so. that's a very nice compliment. I'm, I, it's funny. I'm literally like kind of almost squirming. Over. I'm like, this is very very nice to hear, but you know, it's always hard to take a compliment. But that's very that's very nice and uh, generous. And yeah, it's it's been awesome being friends with you throughout the years too. Ah, oh, all right. So okay, before everybody just starts crying into their beers here. Thank um, you, Josh. We're gonna listen to the story together. But can you do two things? One, can you tell us what you're doing now and then tell us what you were doing and like where you were and all that in 2006 at the time you shared this story. Wow. Yeah. Um, gosh, 2006, I was living in Washington DC, uh, with, uh, was I engaged? I might've been engaged and we got married in 2007 and moved to New York. So, and now I now live in Brooklyn. So life is very, very different 
from the way it was back then. And back then I was, I was still, I was an editor and I'm still for the most part an editor, but I've also done some producing and my wife and I have made some documentary feature films, uh, since then, which is kind of unbelievable when I look back and think like, oh, wow, we hadn't even like made a film at that point. It just, I mean, I know it was a long time ago, but it's still kind of shocking to feel how, how different it was. Um, and so it's been, you know, yeah. So doing my day job as an editor and then having these films as kind of a creative outlet has been really awesome. Uh, her latest film to kid or not to kid just released on Tuesday for worldwide. She had a worldwide release. It had, we'd done the U S release. So, you know, that's on Amazon and iTunes and all over. Um, and awesome. It's it's been a big fourteen years, <laughs> you know. That's okay, <laughs> yes, fourteen years, fourteen years since you told this story. I assume you haven't listened to it since you told it. Is that right? You know, that's it's so funny, and that's part of why it was the timing of this was so strange because of lockdown. One of the things I've always had on my like to do tasks is to go through all of our like hard drives and kind of like catalog everything that we have on every drive and make sure and and one of the things i've had is the stoop cd that was burned which i love oh. also yes. oh my god yes. yeah isn't that amazing so i have I, all those cds in a box too it's crazy okay so, yeah so i was like okay I'm, i i need to rip this as well because like this piece of plastic is going to disintegrate at some point so i plugged in my little portable cd thing and of course you know i could not get the computer to read it from trying all these different I was like, come on, you could do this. And it would spin up and then it would just like lose its mind. And so I was like, you know, it's, at some point, I guess I'll just have to ask those guys if I can get it, you know, like get a copy of it. So and then it's literally kind of like, you know, three weeks or four weeks later or whatever, this sort of appeared. And it was like, oh, well, here's a way to hear it again and, you know, maybe get a copy of it. So it's very strange timing. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, that is the perfect introduction for us to listen to Josh Granger's story from 2006, which he told at a soup show that was all guys sharing stories about fear. So it was a uh, Labor Day weekend in 2001, and uh, a group of us decided to go down to North Carolina, down to the Outer Banks, to spend a long weekend uh, down by the beach. We got a big group house. And I went down with my girlfriend at the time. Her name was Yana, and a bunch of friends of ours. And um, the Sunday of that weekend, Yana and I actually ended up breaking up. So it was kind of a drag, and um, on the Monday, actual Labor Day, we were out on the beach, uh, four of us, Yana, myself, and our friends, Sergey and Natasha, and uh, we were out on the beach, it was about sunset, it was a really beautiful evening, and we were just sort of going for a last swim, and then the four of us were going to go out to dinner, and uh, sun was going down, it was really nice, sort of oranges and reds in the sky, and the water was just this beautiful and sort of green like the green of a green bottle it's really beautiful and um, the three of them uh, went off to go swimming and I sort of stayed on the beach I was kind of sitting far up on the beach far away from the shoreline because I kind of wanted to think and figure things out uh, having just gone through this breakup so I was sitting there kind of just looking out into the ocean and just trying to sort of relax and work out what was going on and Yana came running up at one point and was sort of like, oh, you know, like a crab bit me on the toe. And so I, you know, had to get out. And I was like, oh, you know, sit down. And she said, oh, and also, you know, Sergey and Natasha were kind of acting like a couple and like I didn't want to crowd them. And I was like, yeah, you know, I understand that. So we were sitting there and it was kind of a strange situation with the two of us having just broken up and trying to work out what this meant. And here we were sort of this forced 
thing with this group of people. And, uh, and I remember looking out and saying, wow, you know, those guys, they like to, they like to swim they're pretty far out, you know, and they weren't crazy far out, but I know my mom always used to say, you know, when we were a little bit out, like, you know, you might want to come back in. So for me, it was like, wow, they're definitely past sort of my mom's <laughs> line, you know. <laughs> And so that, it, it's weird, so that, that made me a, li- a little bit nervous, um, but it was, you know, no big deal. Um, and uh, we were sitting there talking, and then we could see them, they had started to swim back in. And uh, it was strange, it sounded like there was yelling going on, and uh, we kind of looked out, and it looked like they were yelling too, and they were swimming in. And there was a weird moment where something sort of crystallized that there was something really wrong going on. Because the sound of the yelling was really strange. Like, it wasn't like, hey, how are you yelling? It was really different. It was really yelling like I'd never really heard before. And it was like Yana got an inkling of it before I even thought of it. And she jumped to her feet and she was like, it's a shark, it's a shark. And I was thinking, I I can remember thinking this, like, that's impossible. (laughs) Like, it can't, that's absolutely, it can't be a shark, you know? And then by this point, they were sort of swimming in closer. We were still pretty far up on the beach, but we could hear them, and it definitely sh- sounded like they were shouting the word shark. And so that was making it even more frightening, and I jumped to my feet, too, and it, it was like, well, we're, we're going to have to do something, and this is all happening, you know, so fast. And, like, they're getting closer, and, you know... Yana goes sort of running off, and I go running down too. But like, what are you going to do if if there's a shark in, in the water? And they're getting closer and closer, and they we can hear at this point they're screaming at the top of their lungs, and they're just screaming shark, 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 and they're swimming and you know getting closer, and I'm feeling like I got to do something, but I don't know what to do, and I run down, and I'm right at the shoreline at this point, and they're getting they're they're reasonably close, and Yana comes running up, and she's like, I got this knife you know that she had gotten from like a fisherman there may be like four or five other people on the beach and I remember like looking at this knife and thinking like what am I gonna am I gonna grab a knife and like run into the water where there's this shark to try and save my friends like what am I supposed to do and at this point Natasha was close enough and like in shallow enough water that I guess part of my brain was either like a shark wouldn't be in this shallow water or too much time had passed or it was too intense and I looked down to where she was, and the water was just full of blood, just everywhere. It was washing up on the, the beach, like, right out of a film. It was like nothing I'd ever seen before. And somehow I ran into the water and, uh, and grabbed her and picked her up, and she was, she was pretty light, so I could pick her up. And so I, I picked her up and, uh, and looked at her, you know, and I'm holding her in my arms, and... Um, and she had, I mean, this, it's, it's horrible. She, there was like a bite out of the side of her. And I looked down and her foot was gone. And it was just, it was just gone, you know. And at that moment, I blacked out. And I could almost, even now when I'm thinking about it, it's like I can almost remember this feeling of everything just being too much. Like this is too much. And my brain just, shoom. and the next thing I can remember we're further up on the beach and Natasha's lying there and some other guy had shown up and he's tying a tourniquet on her foot and you know Yana's there holding her and Natasha's doing this deep breathing and looking really scared everybody's freaking out and we can see these guys are doing CPR on Sergei further down the beach but it doesn't look good at all like he's not moving at all 
and everybody's freaking out, and some, some woman is like, we called, you know, for 911, and they're coming, they're coming, but it seemed to take forever for them to show up, like, just for, I mean, just an eternity for them to show up, and when they finally did show up, they had to let the air out of their tires, otherwise they would get stuck in the sand, so we can see them there, and all these things are going on, and at this point, we're pretty sure that Sergei's dead, because he hasn't moved in a really long time, and finally, the ambulances get out there, and they pick them both up, and they take them away, and I can, it's like, boom, and suddenly, it, you know, we're there, it's just, just it's me and Yana, and all these, you know, other people out there, and you know, there's some guy filming, like, with his camcorder, and it's like, you got to be kidding me. There's, you know, somebody's, like, and people are like, you know, get, that, get the hell out of here. And we're just in this shock and feeling that strange elastic time feeling where, like, things are going really quickly and really, really slowly at the same time. And I actually ended up seeing the footage that that guy shot in a discovery thing, you know, about sharks later, and I can see the look on my face, and it's, it's like a look that I, I don't recognize myself because I'm just in such a different place, I've, it, it, it scared me to see myself like that, you know? It scared me to see myself like that. And we found out later that, yes, you know, Sergei died, and Natasha survived, and, you know, she's, she's doing really well now, but it's like something about that time and that, that moment, and when, I mean, I knew I was going to tell this story, and I, I knew I was going to try and go back to this fear and I haven't been back there in a long time and one of the things that really stands out is I, I can remember trying to get back into regular life after it all happened and just feeling like like I, I'm not fitting in this like what kind, like what, what kind of a world do I live in where, where this type of thing happens and I would walk around feeling like I didn't fit in at all like nobody understand you know I don't just like everything was out of sync and then one week later to the day was September 11th and suddenly, it was like everybody felt what I was feeling. Suddenly, everybody understood that the world is this crazy, capricious, violence out of nowhere place, you know? And it was like such, a, it was like everything clicked back into sync. And when, when I think back on that time now, it's like, I think back on it and it's, it's almost like these flash images and each one is like a like an oil painting and it's like beautiful detail like the green of the water and all this and then like them swimming in and you know after but like right in the middle is this black one of the blackout where I can't that I can't remember and it's like this black painting and it's like when I was thinking about how I was going to tell this story it's like I was just trying to get to that black painting and really go there and and it's just, it's still terrifying, and it's so much bigger than any others, and it's so black, it's like black paint on black velvet, it's like a black hole, it's like a painting, not just of a black hole, but a painting that is a black hole, and it's like I never realized how big and how powerful and how huge it still is until I started thinking about how I was going to tell this story, and it's always going to be with me, and it's always going to be that big, but... I realized that I'm not as scared of it as I used to be. So that was Josh Granger's story shared at the Stoop in 2006. And we are going to just get in deep to it. Before we do, though, we want to thank our sponsors, Golden West, which is a vegan 
forward uh, Southwest Yummy Yummy Restaurant on the Avenue in Hamden. And we want to thank Baltimore Magazine, um, which covers all the news, events, and arts, dining, all that good stuff about Baltimore City. And you can find them at BaltimoreMagazine.com or on the newsstand. We also want to thank the wine source, which is also located in Hamden and has everything that you could possibly want and need to survive um, when things are great and when there's a pandemic. So to make everything as awkward as possible, we had to like move from Zoom, <laughs> Zoom where we just listened to the story uh, with Josh, uh, listening to it for the first time in a long time. And now we're back on Skype because it just has a higher quality. So... So Josh, thank you. It feels, I, f I want to make sure that you are feeling safe and okay and taken care of um, because I, I remember the story, but I forgot a lot about the emotional intensity of the story. And so are you okay to like continue and talk and, and that kind of thing right now? Thank you. That is so nice of you. Cause I, I had forgotten. I, I feel, uh, I'm sure this laughter is like release because I was just yeah. crying. I was crying my face off. That was oh. like so intense, man. I mean, and like I, I, I definitely, I don't know if I ever listened to it honestly. And I'm kind of, yeah. I'm really yeah. glad that the that the CD wouldn't wouldn't load, so I hadn't just heard it, you know, three weeks ago because. I don't know if I would have been able to be like, yeah, let's sit down and like listen to this again. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. Because um, wow, that's. So intense. It is. I think um, I remember that night in the theater. If I'm not wrong, this was the final story yes, in the show. And our house band at the time, Caleb Stein and the Breakman, mm. played. Um, Here Comes the Sun, right? Yeah. Here Comes the Sun. Yeah. Can I just say like a few observations I had um, and just to see how they hit you? Is that okay? Oh, totally. Yes, yes. Okay, good. Um, you know, the thing about this story that it's like, it's like these three levels of catastrophe. Like you had a personal breakup. Mm. Okay, you could tell a story about a personal breakup and that is enough. Like that's devastating in and of itself. You had a personal breakup crossed with, you know, a shark attack of some of your beloved friends in which one dies and one is seriously injured. So it's like bring mother nature in to like fuck things up on top of your emotional disaster. And then one week later, there's like a global national, at least catastrophe. So it's like all these things happening. And I wonder, like, I loved the way that you said, you know, when a week later, the world started feeling like nothing made sense and like that was in a way like you felt more in step with the world after 9-11 because everyone was as devastated as you were or something like that and it reminds me of what Jessica has been said early in the pandemic which is like for people who have always worried about these things and who feel kind of alone in their anxiety about an event like a pandemic suddenly everyone in the world is in that same emotional place too, you know? Oh yeah. To me. And, and it's funny because that was, uh, that's something I have a friend who, you know, just sort of like recently went through like a really terrible divorce and it's just like a huge mess. And it was all right before lockdown. And then, and he maybe like 
two weeks ago in a Zoom was saying this, like the exact same sort of thing, uh, you know, that like I thought, you know, my world was just completely shattered. And then this happened and it was like, oh, my God, now everybody knows like what I'm feeling to, you know, to a certain extent. And it was a really funny experience because I was kind of I hear that and I immediately not only think back to my actual <laughs> like living through that experience, but yeah. also weirdly and maybe again because I was trying to record the CD. I don't know, but thinking back to the stoop telling of of that, you know, and and because listening back to it, it was like number one, I I was very struck by the fact that I I could barely talk. It's it almost sounded like a a, a whisper. I could barely yeah. talk. I could barely talk in the whole thing, but you know I. I don't, because obviously when you hear yourself too, it's like I, 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 there was some part of me that was worried it was going to have like an artifice of storytelling ish thing yeah, to it, yeah. or, you know? Yeah. Um, Cause and, you know and, how to do that. Right. Cause that's your craft, you know? Right. Yeah. And, and, and it didn't, which, which I was sort of happy to hear. Um, but well, you've always been, if I could just say someone who has been an, a fantastic storyteller, like I said, ever since I've known you, plus you've always been someone that's very emotionally intelligent and like Laura said earlier, like willing to be vulnerable. Um, so I think, I mean, that just informed why this story was a, like it, it is our most memorable, why we're starting with it and, and B, why I think everyone left that night changed. Hmm. Because it was just, it well, was and it, such a connection. Yeah, and, and that this, this was, like, still in, in process. Um, yeah. Like, you you say at the end, it's always going to, this this black painting on black velvet in a black hole is always going to be with me. It's always going to be that big. But I'm not as scared of it as I used to be. And I guess maybe that's a good question for us to ask you is, like, is that right? Is is it still with you? Is it like, what is, what is that, that sort of part of the story that was the negative space? What is that for you now? It's definitely, uh, you know, it's, it's still there. Um, I mean, in as much as like when my friend brought up his thing and I immediately thought about my own experience with shark attack, it, it, there was a part of me where I was like, should I, in my head, like, should I bring that up? And I was like, Oh, I just, I, you know, I don't feel like, it's not something that comes up very often or that I bring up or that I want to have to deal with. You know what I mean? So yeah. in, in many ways, it's still kind of this giant thing. But it's interesting also, like, two things, I think. One, listening to the story, the one the one sort of artifice bit that I <laughs> that, that I would feel self-critical of is maybe that, like, that painting of, like, the black on the black paint on black velvet and blah, you know, which what I hear in that is, like, I hear myself, like, really struggling to come up with some kind of, like, concrete image you know that i could use yeah. and and listening to it i'm like ah that's like that's that the one bit where i was like that's kind of trite but you know and obviously we're <laughs> the most critical of our of, our, of ourselves um <laughs> but the moment after that when there's like a pause and you know and i'm saying but i'm not as scared of it as i used to be or, like i remember being in that moment and i remember maybe even closing my eyes, but like describing that painting. And, and I didn't know what I was going to say at the end. I remember we had done kind of like the run through or whatever. And I, I, I didn't quite know like what the ending was or what it meant. Yeah. And I, I, I can, yeah. just, I can really feel myself on stage. Like, like that, 
swinging without a net kind of like mm-hmm. I don't know wh- what this mean this means something and I don't know and and like almost surprising myself with this uh-huh. positive tinged ending of like that I think is really it's it just really reflecting like like the, the power of time right I mean that's all it, it's like the only way you're ever going to get over any of the you know that was five yeah. years after and it was five years yeah it was like my realization of like oh, like time has passed and something has has changed. Like this this black painting metaphor is never going to go away, but like that will always be constant. But this experience, this thing will change, you know, as well. Yeah. There's a moment where you're standing on the beach and you're thinking, what can I do? What should I do? And you know, your ex-girlfriend puts a knife in your hand, right? Like as if you're going to go in and slay whatever monster is there. Instead, you go in and you rescue Natasha. And I'm like, when you look back, do you, do you have any regrets or do you feel, do you ever find yourself saying, I wish I had done this or I wish I hadn't done this? Is there any of that? And I, by the way, I don't think there should be. I just wondered, like, mm. is there anything for you where um, you felt like revealed in a way that you wouldn't like you, that you didn't want to see yourself acting as, does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Um, I mean, it's, yeah, that's, it's a very, very complicated moment. I mean, just, and just to clarify, like she sort of ran up with the knife. She didn't put it in my hand. She was like, I got this knife, you know, like, okay. here, you know, like yeah. this, is, this is something you could use, you know? Um, uh, I mean, I definitely, you know, especially right after, but it comes up all, you know, like, uh, was, going to therapy to try and deal with it because it was, you know, post-traumatic stress. Um, yeah. I mean, you definitely, did you know you had PTSD? I think so because, you know, right after it happened and then nine 11 happened or whatever, it's like, I mean, I was definitely having some like real physical symptoms of just kind of like the shakes or whatever, you know what I mean? Where I was like, yeah. this isn't, this yeah. isn't right. And so, yeah, I was getting some, pretty intense therapy and they were like this is post-traumatic stress so it, it was like right away they 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 yeah. were talking about it um but you know it's obviously something that i've come back to a lot and like especially that moment um well and and because also it's right before like the the blackout period right it's it's right yeah. before the like this is too much kind of shut down moment um so i i've explored that moment a lot I guess and I don't it maybe gives me like a tiny glimpse into whatever those like crisis moments where people have to act and then you know like sometimes it comes out and everyone's like you're a hero and the hero's like I don't know you know I just did whatever needed yeah where you know where your brain just kicks in like super automatically and I don't I don't really look back and feel like I, oh, I could have done more. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. um, I feel good about going into the water. I feel good about lifting her out of the water. Yeah. Um, I mean, to say good, you know, I, yeah. I, feel, 
I feel like yeah. those are the those are those moments where you yeah where you're not not like where you're tested or whatever, but like I, I'm just like oh okay I didn't like just totally run away. But yeah, to answer the question, no, I don't, I, I don't, it's, it, it, that's the thing. And two, it's not, I don't know that, you know, in any of the explorations or in attempting to deal with it, there, there, there hasn't really been like a, a tone of like, what if it had gone differently? Or like, could I have done anything to it? It's never been that it's, it's always been more like, I don't know, trying to unpack or un try to trying to unwrap whatever has taken the the feelings that were so intense that my brain shut down that you know obviously like somewhere my psyche like put that in like a giant metal safe and like pushed it under you know under like layers of stuff and it's been like kind of trying to and I feel like that's part of what the stoop was too and it had been five years and I kind of yeah you know and I'd been sort of doing that in therapy and whatever and and part of it was like you know I think and that's to me why it sounds genuine as well. When I listen to it, I'm like, right, because I was not like, I'm going to tell, hey, I'm going to tell you a story. You know, this yeah. was like, I'm going to, this, this can be a way that I could maybe like blast through some of these layers of rock to get to that safe, you know? Yeah. yeah. Do, you feel like, do you feel like it, did it do that? Did it help that way? Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. A hundred percent. And, and listening to it, I'm, I, I was even to be able to go through it again and like, you know, cry, cry my eyes out again and experience it. And, but also to listen to the details that I was saying that I've completely forgotten now because it's, you know, 20 years later or whatever, you know what I mean? It's, yeah, and it's yeah. like, Oh wow, this is a real gift to have this, this thing preserved here, you know, that like, you know, obviously it's not like I'm going to come back to this all the time, but it is something that a reason to come back to it may come up and this may there's there are still that safe is still like under layers or whatever whatever the metaphor is or it's it's open but you know there's another smaller safe in it or i you know i don't know and it's like yeah. it's like it's oh, a matric man. adult yeah yeah exactly it's exactly so it's it, it's obviously even my conclusion at the end like this is something that's always going to be with me like there's there's always going to be safes within safes but it's kind of like going through these things and you being able to have them to ex explore that is it just it feels it's good it's powerful it's it's um it's helpful do you feel like this witnessing and, and being part of this this shark attack was a defining moment in your life um that's <laughs> yeah that's a complicated question i, I don't know i don't i'm not i guess i would my like super rational brain that also is like trying to get me to like, don't think of things emotionally. I'm like, well, defining moment. What exactly would that mean? You, you know <laughs> well, what I how mean? Do you, yeah. How do you think you have changed as a person from that experience? Like, is there, do you ever have moments where you think like, well, I wonder if I would have taken, you know, less risks or done X, Y, and Z had I not experienced that? Um, mm. Is that kind of another way of looking at it too, Laura? Yeah. Yeah. Or just, you know, there's a mystery at the center of this experience for you, which is this sort of blank space. But it's interesting to think about how these moments, which often we can't access because are, you know, they're too difficult or painful, they do end up being like things that really direct, you know, direct our lives or, um, I don't know, in some ways shape them, but, but in mysteriously, because, because you can't look at them directly, like, 
I don't know. Can I ask? So while you're stewing, because I think what we're asking you is like a big, a big thing. So mm-hmm. to ch- I'm going to ask you to chew on it a little bit while I ask you a pretty, what might be perceived as a kind of mundane question, but I need to ask it because I, I knew your parents, I know your parents or knew them is a better way of saying it. I haven't seen them in years, but I can't imagine what it was like. Do you mind talking about the experience of, of of telling them what happened because just that moment that was the one comic relief, right? The one kind of yeah. release that the audience had was that your mom, you know, voice in your head being like, Oh, they're going a little bit far, you know? So I, I your you had such a close family, such a, a, um, such a safe family, such a psychologically safe family. So I would imagine this would have been one of the biggest things that the four of you kind of had to navigate. Yeah, for sure. Very huge. It was very huge and very intense. And like, and it's even thinking about, because that, that it's a great question because it's not something I think about when I think about it. I don't think about like, oh yeah. And then like, I had to tell my parents and they were like flipping out, you know, I mean, it was super emotional, um, obviously, but I mean, you know, I, I, I have a very strong memory of like my mom just expressing like, just like, a, I mean, I guess sort of classic or I, I don't know, like, like a just dismay, you know, like, oh my God, you know, I'm, I'm, I can't, I'm so sorry this has ha- happened to you. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, and just so sincere and, uh, you know, and I, I, I don't really remember like, details of it very well i'm sure i probably started crying or i I don't know you know or maybe not i because i'm pretty good at bottling things up you know so i mean it was definitely super intense they were really helpful so supportive i mean especially in those early in that that week between it happening and 9 11 was just like so full on and we were trying to because Natasha didn't have any health insurance and we were like starting this fund and trying to get PR to like help her because she you know it was like so expensive because she had to get this like prosthetic leg and have all these surgeries that she just couldn't afford and we were like oh my god so it was it was like so full on and we were dealing with the funerals and you know like and my parents were really just I mean so super supportive during all that which was amazing I I have like such a warm, when I think back on that, it's like, oh yeah, in terms, Jessica, and you're saying sort of too, like, I don't know, like safe and warm and whatever, like, just like, oh yeah, that was a great blanket that they brought to that, you know, to, yeah. to so, um, it's funny that moment, uh, in the, in the story, in the, in the telling, as you say, where it's like the one bit where the audience sort of gets to <laughs> laugh and, you know, because my inclination goes to comedy and yeah. I knew I knew that this wasn't going to be funny. But when I listened to it, I could just hear in my voice a tiny bit. It's almost like, oh, like and I, it, I almost see like this Josh of 2006. And I'm like, oh, you saw the laugh was there and you couldn't resist. You, couldn't, <laughs> you know, you're like, oh, man, it's going to be this like super intense story. And it's like, but this thing about the mom, like you kind of. 
it's like you sort of hear the the like and it's like oh i don't you know my mom is sort of and 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 they're sort of there already there's like a couple little like oh yeah yeah you know like your mom. And it's like well, they were further out than my mom said eh? you know like i just le- there's like the little comedy lean in and then you hear everybody laugh and it was funny you know like i said i'm i'm listening to it and i'm like oh i can't believe you you couldn't resist but i think to your to, to your point also um Laura, you know, about like letting the audience in or whatever. It was kind of it was it's kind of a nice moment, too, because it it it's it's human, you know, or whatever. Yeah, and it it, it totally. means steam doesn't just build in this pressure cooker until the end. We can it's like, whew, you know, like, yeah, just give me let me let my shoulders down for a second, you know, so. Yeah. And you've always been a person that has like, you know, who loves things that are funny, who has found so much, you know, comfort in 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 comedy. So yeah, that I that tracked and seemed completely acceptable because it was just a, a little nod to it. it was not, you know, yeah. Did not well, seem indulgent. And yeah, and it's the full buffet of life, right? That 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 even in a, in sadness, there are these things that we recognize and laugh at because they're true, you know, and what a relief. What a relief to be able to do that. I mean, people knew from the get-go the story was not going to end well. Mm. Um, so I think they felt that in their, you know, in their guts. And so they were having a moment of, you know, just like releasing some, some nervous energy Mm -hmm. and, and recognizing, you know, yeah, something, something human. Um, so yeah, I mean, the other thing I thought about too, listening is like your, you're a filmmaker, you're somebody who like deals with video footage. And I wondered what it was like watching the footage that this other dude had taken during a private moment of catastrophe for you that became sort of open for public consumption on what, like Shark Day on Discovery Mm -hmm. Channel or something. Like, can you share any more about that? Yeah, I mean, that was and I I think that that may have I think it must have been pretty fresh that I had seen that when I was telling the story, because it's just an interesting detail to to have brought up, I think, when I was telling it. But um, it man, uh, well, and so I can't someone had seen it. I think like my aunt had seen it and was like, oh, like you shouldn't watch it. You shouldn't watch it, you know, but I kind of felt like I needed to. And I think another I think it was another one of blasting off the rock like it was another thing of like okay let me it's another chance for me to like confront. let me try to get close yeah yeah exactly exactly um so i i can still see the footage in my mind and it's re i mean it was like it's really really short that i'm in it and as i say like what what i what really sticks out of my mind is just the look on my face which yeah. right because when said, we see yeah, ourselves you yeah. don't you don't recognize yourself you didn't exactly. recognize yourself yeah yeah, I, I think, you know, w- what it also made me think of was a few years after that, I want to say it was maybe 2008, something like that. I was contacted by another production company who was like, oh, we're like doing this this uh, documentary about and it was it was really interesting because they were like it's about it was about the media, like the way the media dealt with these shark attacks that summer. And that's what this film is about. And, you know, I was like, oh that's that's actually kind of interesting and so they wanted to do an interview with me and i was like yeah let's do it because also at that point we were making our first documentary feature film and i was doing a lot of interviews sitting behind the camera and i thought this would be really good for me to feel what it's like to have the camera pointed at me 
which is awful, by the way, um, because it's just like an unblinking eye uh, pointing at you. But it was, you know, a really valuable experience for that. But it was to to be able to talk about it in a more controlled uh, way or, you know, whatever, like in an interview, you know, maybe, you know, similar to the stoop or whatever, like that just like seeing myself like the exploitation of of that moment by someone filming on the beach and like coming back and like watching that again and sort of just like uh, that sick feeling and that sort of bad taste of like, oh, God, you know, it's just so it's just so fascinating that there are these different ways into this experience from the sort of awful thing like that, you know, and then it's like, oh, okay, or but I if I'm talking about it and someone's asking, it's like and if it's coming from a respectful place. It's like, it's not that it's, you know, something that we shouldn't be exploring and examining and talking about, you know, or it, it's. Yeah. 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 Was that a summer where there were a lot of shark attacks? Yeah, there was definitely the, there was a really well-known one where a kid's uncle like jumped in the water and punched the shark in the nose and was able to like save his nephew. And everybody wow. was like, oh, my God. Yeah. So there was that was a big one. Ours was a big one. I think there may have only been two. But the other thing that I remember about that, which was weird, was there was like, I, I think I want to say it was Leno. It was Leno or Letterman or so. I, I'm sure it was Leno who like went on the air finally, like after nine 11 and like one of the monologue gags was like, Oh, you know, like before this, the only things we had to worry about were blah, blah, blah. And shark attacks, you know? And it was like yeah. the punchline of like a gag. And it was like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Ah. Yeah. Just because of course, you know how many, it's, it's less frequent than lightning strikes. So it's like, you know how, yeah. and you know, you're asking if it's if if it's a defining moment of, of my life or anything. I I will certainly say, like, to speak to that point, I think it's certainly like given me a different type of empathy for things that come out into the public sphere, like that kind of a thing where it's like, oh my God, no one would have any idea. Like just I, I definitely think it's made me more empathetic to when someone's like, I'm going to tell a joke about whatever, like a motorcycle daredevil who dies. You know, there is a part of my brain that's just like, somebody's out there. It's like, you know, their dad was a motorcycle daredevil who died. Yeah. And they're, yeah. they're hearing this thing and, you know, and, and I don't know. That's, I, I think that's definitely one of the things that ha it has really changed because I feel very <laughs> sensitive to those kinds of things, I guess. That's so interesting, too, because yeah. comedy is having such a moment with that of just like of being how do you how do you, you know, poke the bruise of life right in a way that and I'm going to go back to the thing that I was saying, like that is actually kind hearted and not going to make someone feel kind of torn, like like a, a like a, a punch in the gut if they mm -hmm. just, you know, were expecting to laugh um, anyway, that's a little bit off of off topic, but well, I think it's that too. And it's also like, it's, it's, you're in this weird position where you have a private and a personal tragedy that was offered up for public consumption. Right. And everybody who was nine 11 had that too, right. They lost a person, they had a personal tragedy, but it became the, those people were symbols of a national loss. I mean, and we're mm -hmm. dealing with that now with all these you know, souls who've been killed by police, they are 
personal people, but they are also symbols. And it's like, how do you navigate both, you know, when something is a personal heartbreak, but also of public interest? Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's a really difficult thing. And then, then there's also just when something's a personal heartbreak and it's not a, a public interest, there's a kind of sadness in that. So it's, it's all so complicated to navigate, you know? And that's what I, th- I think that's what I really feel listening to the story is all these layers of the personal and sort of the public and the, the, you know, what is remembered so vividly and what is, what is, n- what is not there at all, what's erased, you know, or was never captured, you know, and I think all those sort of complications and layers and mysteries in the story make it so rich. Um, And the sense that you're searching, you know, that, that you're searching for not only just what is this black hole in the center, but sort of how, how do you integrate something like this that is so extraordinary, you know, so extraordinary into like your ordinary life, you know, and that that's, a, that's like an ongoing thing. Well, I want to give you the opportunity. Is there anything that you would like to say? Uh, Cause this is, we, we could talk, I think all night, but we want to be aware of your time. Um, so is there anything that you, want us to know or you would like to say before we leave today? Um, Gosh, that's... <laughs> but, well, I'm just like, my brain is like, there must be something. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> um, no, I don't know. You know, I feel like uh, we've, we, we've gotten into it pretty well. I mean, you know, I, <laughs> like, thanks for the opportunity of, of doing it. And I think also, I guess, you know, I guess the one thing that I, that we sort of touched on too, but that I was really struck by, and I don't know why I feel like I should, you know, this should really be brought up, but you know, when it was done and, uh, Caleb came on and did, you know, um, here comes the sun. And I remember being so struck by it and the whole room, you know, we were all feeling it. And I remember like, I, I got to go up to him afterwards and like, thank him. You know what I mean? Like, oh my God, yeah. thank you. And, I don't know. I just, I, I, I almost feel like that moment actually was, you know, it was so powerful that I feel like, <laughs> you know, the, the, that the story should come with an instruction to go listen to like, here comes the sun afterwards. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, wow. You know, it's a lot to just sort of take on. And, and I, I think, you know, his instinctive recognition that like, and, you know, just, and and maybe to speak to the stoop as well, like, you know, just in terms of like, this is a storytelling, this is a music, it, it's like, it's community, it's healing, it's like, you know, what are, what are we doing, you know, when we have, when we tell stories for people, or when we sit and listen to tell stories, and we sit in the same room, you know, especially right now, as, as that's, you know, something that we're, we're missing so strongly, you know, being in the same room with other people, and just like, hearing someone talk and feeling like the actual vibrations of their word, you know, all of those, yeah. all of those things, there's something in here. And then the music and there's something in here about like the, the power of that type of experience that I, I don't know. I, I, I don't want to miss, you know, I don't, I don't want to ignore. I don't, I, I want to acknowledge, let's say that, you know, there's, there's, it's powerful. It's, it's, there's something there. 
We, thank uh, you. Yeah, Truly. thank you. And thank you for taking the risk um, 15 years ago. No, 14 years ago. 14. Unreal. And, and, um, and yeah, um, I think we're going to let you go now. But um, <laughs> I'll see you on the next high school Zoom call. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Let's, let's do this again in another, like, 15. You know what I mean? Let's, let's listen to this thing. Let's listen to this whole thing. And then we'll go back and analyze that. It'll, it'll be... No, it's been awesome. Thanks, you guys. It's been really fun. Thanks, Josh. It's great, Josh. It's so good. I'm also going to look at um, to kid or not to kid. I, did you work on that as well? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I was uh, the co-editor on it and co-producer, and, and I'm I'm in it because it's about my wife's story. So, yeah, it's... Uh, That's awesome. So, highly Your wife is Maxine? Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. So, awesome. British and, British and very pretty. <laughs> I have to agree. <laughs> Thank you, Josh. It was so great to talk and to hear your story again. Thank you, guys. Here comes the sun. Here comes the sun, I say, it's all right. Finally, we also want to thank our amazing producer, Maureen Harvey. Thanks for all you do to take care of us and have us sounding pretty okay. <laughs> all right, okay. let's see y'all next week. Bye. Since it's been here, here comes the sun. Here comes the sun, I say. It's all right.